I will start over here. I had planned to do that, but that must have been the Lord. <laughs> you are really hearing from him this morning. <laughs> I'm not sure what key I'm going to do it in because um, this is a, this is part of me that really drives my husband crazy because I have no, you know, like I've not practiced this. I've never really sang it by myself or anything, but I feel it, so it must be from the Lord. <laughs> What's the easiest thing for you to lose? My son, Court, his wife says, um, you know, she, she said it's like I have a fourth child because it's always, you have your wallet, you have your keys, you have your, he lost his passport, like, and it was major, um, but he found it in his toolbox. Wasn't that not where you would put it, your, tool, your passport? And uh, so, but some of us have, you know, we just have that thing with glasses, I mean, you know, your phone. And they even have, you know, with keys, you can clap your hands and your keys tell you where they are. <laughs> Some of us, you know, have a problem with our minds, losing our mind. <laughs> but sometimes the easiest thing to lose is our joy. I mean, how many of you could, will admit you have walked out of a power-packed Sunday night service, and before you got out of the parking lot, you were ready to cuss somebody out? I mean, it's like, if I knew how to cuss, I would... <laughs> <laughs> I used to tell my husband, I hate people. <laughs> that was what I would say on Sunday nights. <laughs> but it's so, it's so easy to lose our joy. Um, I mean, you can be just so happy and get one phone call and bam, you know, you're just depressed. And, or you can turn on the news. I remember the morning that, you know, we were just piddling around the house quiet and the phone rang and our son says you need to turn on the radio you know it's September 11th and we're trying to you know figure out what is going on and that there was it was just such an impact on our, all of us but um, there's one thing about joy it does not depend on our happening what's happening that's happiness depends on what's happening but joy comes from the Lord Romans 14 says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's, that's what the kingdom of God is all about. We may not have, you know, a lot to be happy about, but we can have joy. And I felt this morning and even yesterday as I was praying for this conference um, that some of you have come and you really have lost your joy. And, and that happens. I've been there when, you know, I could laugh about other things, but really the joy of my salvation, I had kind of lost that. But um, this song was on my heart when I woke up this morning, so I'm going to just try to sing it. And if you know it, sing along with me. I might have to change keys two or three times till I figure it
Restore to me the joy of your salvation. That is a very important purpose that we have on our Wonder what that's all about. Restore to me the joy of your, thy salvation. He saved me. I am not the Savior. Sometimes, you know, I have so many, you know, guilty feelings and feelings of, uh, you know, inadequacy. I can't get back the joy of my salvation. <laughs> but his salvation, oh, wow. He loves us so much. He died. He gave it all. There is nothing else he can do. What else could he do? He's done all he can do to save us. Now, we have to choose Every day, and today I want to talk to you about choose joy. Choose joy. And I thought I would take the word joyful. I love Philippians 4 and 6 in the new, uh, the NLT, whatever that is, the new 
Living Translation. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Philippians, if you need joy, you, that's a good book. Just dig in there. It talks about joy. And now let me tell you, in this book of Philippians, it's only four chapters long, but Paul uses the word joy 16 times. Now, he was not on a Caribbean cruise, dear. <laughs> he was not out fishing at Homer. <laughs> he was in prison. He was in jail in Rome waiting, not just in prison. He was waiting to be executed. He, he knew it was going to, any time, you know, they're going to say, it's your day. You're dead today. Your, your head's coming off. So in the darkest days of his life, he wrote the most positive book in the Bible. You know, I was thinking the other day about uh, the, the things that we, the knowledge that we have, the technology that we have, the uh, cutting-edge medical discoveries that we have. If you search back and find who really got the idea, you know, the, the person that's probably done the most research on cancer was probably a cancer patient or someone that had cancer or their mama had cancer. <laughs> or you, Sometimes the trials that we go through will drive us and give us that motivation to really, really, I mean, when, you know, there's the thing about having a prayer meeting. You know, we're all going to have a prayer meeting Monday night at 7 o'clock. But there ain't nothing like a prayer meeting in an intensive care waiting room. You talk about getting a hold of God, honey. We can get a hold of God. <laughs> but Paul decided in that darkest day of his life that he was going to give us some some joy builders, some way to be joyful. And he gives us six joy builders that I'm going to, uh, these are going to help you because discouragement really is the enemy of joy. Discouragement is just a, the loss of trust and, you know, faith in what you believe in. So, and discouragement is deadly, I'm telling you. You know, if you have someone in your life that likes to discourage you, you need to think about putting some space between you. You know, in college, we t they talked about toxic relationships. It's like, I've been knowing that for a long time. I didn't have to go to college. You know, there's some people that are poison in my life. And you have to choose not to let them put that into you and pour that into your brain. So we're going to talk about joyful. And I'm just going to take the word joyful, J-O-Y-F-U-L, and go, go through each letter and talk to you a little bit about it. I'll take the word, the letter J, and for J, I'm just going to tell you this is the best way to, to get your joy back. Now, we're going, we're going to get it back, okay, is just get over it. Get over it. Just get over it. Or we could use the word jettison, which jettison is a big word. It means to abandon as worthless, to discard, to eliminate, to get rid of. It's time to get over some things, girls. How long are you going to stay in this place where you are and feel sorry for yourself? I tell my girls, put your big girl panties on and deal with it. This is life. This is not heaven. I told you last night, this is hell. So, yeah, we're going to have trouble. Just get over it. 
move on, move along. And we are going to have those days when we are on, in heaven holy groves, but you just don't stay there. Even David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Go through. If you, if you just stand still, you're going to just, you know, you can't dwell there. You can't put up a tent and live there. Keep walking. I heard a song one time in a, in a grocery store. I said, I wish I, had, I knew that. The, I need that little app where you can hold your phone up and it tells you what's being. But it says something about it. if you're going through hell, just keep, what does it say? Keep on going. Because uh, the devil, you might be gone before the devil even knows you're there. <laughs> Something like that. It was kind of cute. But really, just get over it. Paul says if you want to enjoy life, there are some things you've got to get rid of because they're wearing you down. They're, they're not sins, but they're weights and overburdening your life. And the Bible teaches us to forget our regrets because that's what God does. He chooses to forgive us our mistakes, and he once we confess our sins to him, he forgives us and he forgets it. So the first place to get back your joy, the starting place for joy, is to just get over it. Philippians 3.13 says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth under those things which are before. Just get over it. How long are you going to just... Hang out here and feel sorry for yourself and bring up all these things that are, you know, that you just need to move on. Give it to God and move on. You know, you cannot receive with your hand closed. You can't. You've got to let it go. And we know that song, right? <laughs> My grandson said, I do not know why his sister's name is Juliana. I do not know why Juliana had to fall in love with the stupidest song in the whole universe. <laughs> He's like, I'm so sick of hearing, let it go, let it go. <laughs> and she sings it and she twirls and she, she's eight. But it's a good song, let it go. Just let it go. Okay, so Jay, just let it go. Just get over it. Oh, joyful, J-O. Overcome worry with praying, with prayers. Overcome worry with prayers. He says, that verse I just read a few minutes ago, he says, don't worry about anything instead pray about everything. You cannot worry and pray at the same time. If that's what you're doing, you're not praying. You're just discussing things. <laughs> pray. Turn it over to God and, and, and pray. Omit all the worries about your future. If, you, if you're going to enjoy the present, you must omit, overcome the worries about your future. Now, worry, hands down, is the greatest killjoy of all time. You can't be joyful and worried at the same time. Now, I, I read you Paul's antidote was don't worry about anything instead of pray about everything. So you can either worry or you can pray. You have to choose. You have to choose. Every day you have to make a choice. So overcome worry with prayers. Why? I took the why and I said, yes, Lord. Yes. Yes, Lord, yield yourself to God's purpose. 
Now, some of us are just drifting along. We don't know, really know where we came from, where we're going, why we're here. And if, if you're in that situation, it's hard to have joy. Limbo is not a great place to be as a Christian. And we all need, in those times, and you're going to have those times. I've, I've been living, I felt, I told Sister Sanders this morning, I said, I feel like I've been living in limbo for about five years. When my husband uh, turned our church over to our son and we became whatever the bishop is, that's like a whole new world. It's like limbo, like, what, what, what do I do? I, I'm not the pastor's wife. I'm not the, you know. I, and so it's a, it's a limbo place. It's kind of a place. But you know what I've learned? I have learned that I need something greater than myself to live for. It's not about me. So when, when we, need a, we need a cause greater than us to work for, and when we get that and yield to that, that brings us joy. You know, I have told, um, I have right now in my life, I've got several widow friends, you know, pastors' wives, their husbands passed away, or, you know, just friend, ladies in the church, their husbands, you know, have passed away. And, you know, when I can't just tell them this at the funeral, but... <laughs> When I get it around to it, you know, when they, they come to me and they're like, you know, I'm so down, I'm so, I can't get over this, I'm so depressed, and whatever, and I'll just tell them, you need to get involved in something that can, has no, there's no way it can give back to you. When you are giving with no chance of anything coming back, that is where you will find joy. When you're going to a nursing home and you're just, you know, singing some old love songs to these elderly people, some old hymns, when you're uh, dealing, helping someone that's homeless, you know, just going to a homeless shelter and, and helping with the soup kitchen or whatever, these things, they, these people have no way of repaying you, and that's where you find real joy. Even when Paul had literally lost everything, there was one thing that could not be taken away from him, and that was his purpose in life. Paul said in Philippians 1.21, For me to live, for, me, for to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. It's a win-win. To live is Christ, to die is gain. And if you want to have a joy-filled life, then get in line with God's purpose for your life. And when you begin to live the purpose for which he made you, it makes life makes sense and joy is a lot more easily found. I remember um, when I was diagnosed with cancer in 2008, my blog I, I wrote that morning, I wrote, you know, really, it's a win-win-win. Because I, they had actually done, I don't even know if I knew it was cancer for sure. I said, if it's cancer and... God heals me, then I win. If it's not cancer, I win. If it's cancer and I die, I win. <laughs> so it's when you look at something bigger than you, the purpose, your purpose here on earth, life makes sense. Now, I want to ask you, real, just here in the middle, what are the things, the people, the circumstances, the situations or the feelings that wear you down and keep you from really experiencing a joyful life in your life. Think about that. What are, what are, there, are there people in your life that just, you know, 
drain you and they suck all the joy, all the happy out? Are there, is it your job? Is it, you know, a family member? Is it a, a someone, is it a feeling that you have? Is it a, is it an insecurity that you have? And then I told you already the difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is what's, you know, you're thrilled with what's happening. <laughs> joy is from God. And then I want to ask you this. What are you worrying about and not releasing to God? Because you cannot worry and have joy at the same time. So for the first joy, just get over it. Overcome worry with prayers and say, yes, Lord, yield yourself to God's purpose. Philippians 1 and 6 says, I am certain. This is the New Living Translation again. I am certain that God, who began a good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Paul was an amazing teacher, wasn't he? Now, he didn't just write a book. You know, they say if you, if you, can't, uh, if you can't do, teach, or if you can't do it, write a book or something like that. But he was, do, he was living it. He was in prison writing about joy. So we're going to talk about full now. The F, I chose the word focus. Focus on what is good. Now, you, I, I tell you, you I'm, around, I'm around women more than I am around any other, you know, group of human beings. I'm, you know, women conferences and women in my church. I'm a leader in my district with women. And I see women that focus on the, the craziest things. Why do you want to focus on every little bad thing that's going on in your life when God has blessed you with so many wonderful things? I tell the young women in our church, I'm like, they're, you know, they're just, they've got a, maybe a couple little toddlers, maybe two or three little toddlers, and they're just so miserable. They're so down in the mouth. They're like, you know, I wish I could go on vacation like you do. I wish I could travel like you do. You know, we had a, a lady come in and say, her husband was in Iraq. She's like, I just don't think it's fair. He gets to travel and, and go, you know, across the world, and here I am stuck at home with these three children. And my husband says, honey, would you like to address this? And I was like, are you, you really want me to address this? And exact, my exact words, I said, girl, you need to get your big girl panties on and deal with it. I said, do you know how ridiculous what you said just sounds to me? And I didn't know this girl. She had, was not a member of our church. She was, came in to talk to us, you know, as a, as a pastor that she needed. A, I said, your husband is putting his life at stake. Right now, you don't know. You could get a phone call today that he's been blown off the planet. And you're going to whine and complain because you are stuck at home with the three children? She said, well, they just smother me. I said, well, you brought them into this world. They didn't ask to be brought into this world. You, they are your responsibility. She said, but I just feel like my life is on hold. I said, it is on hold until they're all 21 or whatever. Get over it. I mean, seriously, focus on the good. You have three healthy children. You could have a child that's in the hospital that you're having to, you know, run back and forth. You, you have three healthy, beautiful children that love you. 
that, uh, and that she had a little three-year-old there with her, and she was like, just, he just clings to me. And I said, I'll tell you what you need. You need to get a hold of God in your life. Well, it was so uh, hilarious to me because she said, see, that's the thing. And this is just the typical self-centered woman. It's all about, she said, that's the thing, you know. I just, I just need extended times of prayer. And I, I, I hunger for those times when I could just spend hours in prayer because, I, you know, I'm a prophetess. And I, I really just miss those times of extended prayer with God. And, and now, you know, I resent, sometimes I feel like I resent my children because I can't spend that time in prayer. And I looked at her and I said, well, you know, God is not pleased with your attitude. Because the Bible says that children are a gift from God. And he trusted them to you to do the right thing. And right now, your ministry is your children. You can put the prophetess lady on hold till you're, they're 21 too. Because they are your ministry. I said, teach them to pray. Well, she, she came to church. I was shocked because, I mean, I really, you know, my sister Wagner, that just got a hold of me. I, I, almost, I just wanted to, like, you know, stab her in the throat or something. She needed somebody to drop kick her. That's what she needed. Focus on what's good in your life. You cannot just walk around and, you know, find the bad thing and, you know, whine about it. Nobody wants to be around you if you're that girl. If you're always whining and complaining and you wonder why you don't have any friends, because you whine and complain. We don't want to hear about how horrible your husband is or how awful your children are. We know. If complaining would fix it, they'd be wonderful. They'd be flying around with halos because you complain all the time. You know, when you're in charge of ladies' retreats and that sort of thing, and you're the one that's, like, helping with the rooms, and they come to you like, Travis, why did you put me in the room with her? We've been here four hours, and I'm going to slice my wrist already. She has complained ever since we got in the car to leave the church. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> and so I got up in the first session. I said, okay, this, this is what we're going to do this week. We are not going to complain this week. I said, if you hear somebody complain, I want you to burst forth in this song. I, I won't complain. <laughs> and I made a big joke out of it. I said, now, Girls, seriously, if, 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 you could, if complaining about your husband fixed him, he'd have been fixed. If complaining about your kids would fix him, they'd have been fixed. If complaining about your job would have fixed it, it'd have been fixed. So shut up. We're on retreat, and we don't want to hear about your problems. Complaining does not help. So after the service was over, you know, everybody's crying and praying in the altar service, and this one lady, the lady, says, I know you, I know the Lord was speaking to me today. I was like, you think? I didn't say that to her. I was like, oh, baby, precious darling, thank you for receiving the word, you know. That's what we got to do. We got to receive what comes forth. 
but focus on what's good. And if you can't, if you really cannot find anything good in your life, you need to pray and say, God, I have been blinded by the enemy and I cannot see what is good in my life. And I need you to wake me up. If you can't find anything good in your life, just go over there to the hospital and ask, can I go up to the intensive care floor and just ask some people some questions? Walk around in a hospital or in a nursing home or in a, a facility for, you know, burn victims. And you, you can find something good in your life. Even when I have been there in the hospital with family members, you know, that were sick or what have you. My dad was in a nursing home for a few months and in, the, in and out of the hospital for several months. And I felt so blessed, even with my dad laying there on his deathbed, knowing I knew he was dying. I still felt so blessed because he had lived more life than 10 men. He was ready to go. He was waiting on his chariot to arrive. And next door was a man that had not had one visitor in three weeks. And he lay there, and he moaned, and he groaned, and he wept, and he cried, and he hurt, and had nobody to comfort him. So no matter what your life is, you can focus on the good. You can focus on the good. In fact, I was thinking about my dad. Um, he was laying there one day, and he was so miserable. He was hurting so bad. And I said, now, Dad, listen, I do not want you to lay up here and, you know, feel bad about all those whippings you gave me. I said, I know you feel horrible about, you know, how hard you were on me and all the whippings and all that stuff. I said, but don't you lay up here and regret, regret all that because I'm fine. I'll be fine. <laughs> he kind of grinned. He looked at me and said, I have no regrets. <laughs> <laughs> focus on what is good in your life. There's a, a song our choir used to sing. It said, focus on glory. Focus on glory. If you don't have anything good in your life, focus on glory. We're, we're going to be out of here before too long. Praise God. The Word of God is a great place to find. Paul, Paul said in Philippians 4 and 8, Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Now, where do you get a list of things like that? Talk radio? Not likely. Television? Absolutely not. The newspaper or magazines? No, I gave up news like several years ago. I just can't handle it anymore. If, you know, if a nuclear bomb's going to hit, I just want to go up and smoke. I don't want to know it's coming. I'm not looking for the Antichrist or the Mark of the Beast. I'm looking for Jesus. I can't think about that. I cannot worry. My, kind of, my brain is the kind of brain I cannot focus on, you know, the end time. If you're, you know, if you're into that end time stuff, God bless you. I can't handle it. I'm just looking for Jesus to come. I cannot say, that's the seventh seal. Oh, I. Now, if that's, you, if, you can't, if that's your deal, do it, sister. Whatever, you know, flicks your big, do it. But I cannot deal. I can't live there. The more you fill your mind with God's word, because that's where you're going to find what sort of things that are lovely and good and pure and good reports, the more positive and joyful you're going to be. 
God's word is true. It's right. It's admirable. It's worthy of value. I have made a pact with myself several years ago because I, I'm, a, I'm a communicator. I, I have a, a several business venues going on at all times. So I have a lot of communicating to do with people, whether it's an email or Facebook messages or whatever, private messages. I have several business pages that I work on. But I made a pact with myself years ago. I said, I will not open my computer, my email, anything until I've opened my word. And I spend time in my word before I spend time anywhere else. That's just a pact I made. Uh, and I heard a preacher say, don't open Facebook till you've opened his book. <laughs> I was like, I like that. I've been doing that, and I like it. And I believe that whatever we do, we can do it as unto the Lord. So if you are on Facebook, let's focus on what's good. We don't want to know that you just popped a hernia and, you know. <laughs> now, you probably got a private prayer page. You go there and post that, and y'all pray for me. But I'm like, oh, my goodness. Some people, there. it's like, well, I'm nauseous. It's like, so what? I don't. I have a hangnail. <laughs> Let's focus on what is good. Let Use your, your uh, social media to encourage, to lift up. Use what the devil means for harm for good. Let there be a positive uh, uh, connotation on everything you post, everything you put on there. Let it be, you know, wonderful. I mean, it, there's a, I like to make people laugh, so sometimes I'll put some silly stuff on there, but I try to make it, you know, positive, not like they're feeling sorry for me. I want it to be, because hilarious stuff happens. I mean, horrible stuff happens to me, but sometimes I think it's hilarious. I'm like, oh, it's hilarious to me. I mean, it is so funny that if my husband is flying with me, that our plane will be delayed, because it's like God is trying to teach him something. And I, I'm like... Trust, he's a control guy, you know, he wants to be in control. And it's so funny to me. It's like, oh, we're getting ready to board. Oh, well, ladies and gentlemen, there's a carpet burn. We're going to have to, it's like, they're going to delay this flight. And he starts, go up there and ask him. <laughs> he send me up there. If I'm not with him and he's flying, he'll call me. Can you call Delta and find out why this flight's been delayed? <laughs> I was like, go to the desk and ask them. Oh, no, I, I, you do. You call them. It's so funny. But be positive. Focus on what is good. Now, the you in full. Use your life to help others. Use your life. I, I, was, I remember, you know, sometimes as when you're in ministry, you feel like you've given yourself away so much that there's nothing left of you <laughs> sometimes. And when that song came out, I give myself away, I wouldn't even sing it. I'd just like, mm, I ain't singing it. <laughs> I ain't got nothing else to give away. If I give one more person a piece of my mind, I will not have any mind left. So God had to deal with me about that giving myself away and say, come on, <laughs> use your life. Be, You know, sometimes... I think about the song they were singing when I was six years old and I got the Holy Ghost. I remember coming out of, you know, speaking in tongues, and they're singing, to be used of God, to sing, to speak, to pray, to be used of God, to show someone the way. 
I long so much to feel the touch of his consuming fire. To be used of God is my desire. And I took that as a sign as a little girl. I was uh, really a dramatic little girl. And I, that was my theme song. And so I was like, I would every time I pray, use me, Jesus, use me, Jesus. And I remember saying when I was like in my 20s, Jesus, if you're going to use a woman, use me. I want to be that woman. You're going to use somebody in this end time. Use me. And then a few years later, I'm like, I just feel so used. <laughs> I just feel like everybody just uses me, just used up. And then I was, you know, praying one day for God to use me. And he's like, now, I've been using you, and you've been griping about it. Do you want me to use you or not? Uh, just let me know. I was like, oh, wow, that's what you, you know, you, you're used. Your used toothbrush goes in the trash, right? Well, when I die, I'm going to be used up. <laughs> Except I told my husband when I, when I had, I've, you know, matured quite a bit now, and I've gone to college and all that kind of thing. But I remember when I had three little boys, and I said, if I die, I'll donate my brain to science. It's barely been used. <laughs> I never get to talk to adults. I just talk to kids all day long. You know, you have to have a second-grade education to talk to kids. So now I feel like my brain is even used pretty much. It's like, okay. It's like sometimes things just don't sink in a while because my brain is, like, fried. It's like, what planet am I on? <laughs> but you, be you. Who wants Being used of God is real similar to other being used things. And I, you know, I have young people say, oh, I just want to be used of God like you are, Sister Chavis. I, one day I want God to use me like he uses you. I was like, put your seatbelt on, girlfriend. Because <laughs> it really is. But Paul was joyful because he was unselfish. He invested his life in others. And so if you want to have continuous joy in your life, here's a secret. Give your life away. Stop focusing on your little problems, your aches and pains, and start focusing on helping others. The more you give your life away, Jesus said, the more you will find it. I love, there's, isn't there a song, uh, something about the more I seek you, the more I find you? The more unselfish you become, the more joyful a person you're going to be. And I, I love, it's like Dr. Phil has made a gazillion dollars just by looking at people and saying, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you. It really is not about you. You know, I have a friend, and it, she really thinks it's all about her. And I don't care if her firstborn child was tragically killed. She would say, hey, can you imagine how that made me feel? You know, it was, it's about her. It's not about, you know, that per, or like somebody's hurt. Oh, when she got hurt, I just was like, oh, my Lord, I can't take anymore, Lord. You know, she's laid him here bleeding, but I can't take it, Lord. It's about, it's not about you. Paul said in Philippians 4 and 1, I love you and long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy. And the crown I receive for my work. Now, pastors, wise, we can relate to that because sometimes when you work with someone, you work with them, you teach them Bible studies, and then, and then you see their life 
you know, transform and change and they mature and they're, and they're being used of God or your children being used of God. It is a, it's your crown and your joy. It is it's investing in someone's life and having them thank you and actually do something with their life. It's a rare thing. Honestly, I, 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 and we could focus on the bad part about it. You know, oh, I've taught 4,000 4, Bible studies and one person's living for God. <laughs> but what about that one person? That one person. I remember uh, when I was at our church, I was over the teenage girls. I taught the teenage girls class. And um, I felt, I mean, I was teaching on purity and holiness. And I was teaching on, you know, all the things that you teach young girls about. And then they, they got out of my class. They went to the next class. And do you know, three of those girls wound up pregnant out of wedlock. And I was like, I'm done. I am done. I'm not teaching. I, it's useless. It's not. It's, it's in vain. And one of those young girls, I don't know. She must have sensed it because I was probably, like, laying in the altar, bawling my head off every service for three weeks after that, after, like, the third one. She came up with her little arm around me, and uh, she said, Sister Chavis, I know you must feel how you must feel. You know, this third girl in our class, you know. She said, but can you, can you look at me for a minute? And I looked at her. She said, I'm still a virgin. She said, I promise you, on my wedding night, I will still be a virgin. And she pointed to another girl. She said, see, Charlotte, she's still a virgin. Because of what you taught us, we have a plan. We have a plan. And we know what we're doing. And just because these girls did not take everything you said, she's like, it wasn't in vain. I'm still, I'm still pure. And I promise you, I will stay pure. And she did, and, and, you know, there was there was probably seven or eight others that did. <laughs> but, you know, the focusing on those three, it just about killed me. It about took me out of this world. It, it was like more than I could handle, I thought. But sometimes you just have to keep on giving. Let God use you. And Paul's joy came from serving people in, who, in whom he had invested his life, the people he had led to Christ. And discipled. That is what it's all about. When you help, you know, sometimes you think, well, I can't disciple anybody. I'm, you know, I'm young or I'm brand new. But there is someone that looks up to you. And I can remember as a, I was raised in a pastor's home and my mom and dad were always saying, Wanda, you know, the young girls look up to you. They're, they're looking at you and they, uh, you need to be careful. You need, you need to worship in church and make sure you're worshiping and being a good example. And I remember one night, I had my I had a headband on. I had my hair well, kind of similar to what I got it right now. It was the seventies, you know. And uh, I happened out of the corner of my eye. There was these two little girls, and they they had their little headbands. And they were looking at me, and they were trying to get their hair to poof just like mine. And they were like looking at me and doing that. And I was smote. I was fourteen years old, and it's you know it smote me in my heart. I thought they really are watching me. And I just kind of winked at them and, and, you know, after church made sure I told them how beautiful their hair was. And, but it wasn't just about that. It was about my 
worship and, you know, my, my life, my step by step by step. So use your life to help others, and you will find, you will be fulfilled. Your joy will be full. And the last letter, learn to be content, L. Learn to be content. The bottom line, ladies, joy is a decision. It's a decision. You choose joy. You are as joyful as you choose to be. We get caught up, you know, about thinking about when this happens, then I'll be happy. When I, you know, when I find a husband, then I'll be happy. When I get married, then I can be used of God. You know, when I get some new furniture, then I can have people over to my house. You know, when I get my own house, then I can have, uh, I can, you know, do whatever. <laughs> yeah, get new furniture. <laughs> I remember our first little house, we paid $40 a month, and I didn't even need a dustpan because there were the cra biggest cracks in the floors. You could just sweep the dirt through the cracks. And we had a little table that was just a little tiny table about the size of the top of this pulpit, and we had two folding chairs. That was our kitchenette. But my husband had an amplifier. He had a guitar and an amp, and I had an accordion. So we would put the accordion on one side and the amp on the other side, and me and him would sit on that, and the, our company would sit in the folding chairs. Because, you know, I, I'm going to party. I'm going to have a party. I'm going to have company. I'm going to have friends over. And um, I remember people, you know, saying, I, we just, we loved, we used to love coming over. And we, we had Wick cheese. I mean, if it wasn't for Wick, we, we'd all starve. Do y'all have a Wick up here? <laughs> We always had cheese, so, you know, if you could find something to dip it in, melt it, and just have, just have fun. Just enjoy. Learn to be content. Philippians 4.11 says, I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. See, Paul gave us the keys, six keys to joy. You can always be joyful no matter what happens because God is in control. Now, you may think that joy is some kind of characteristic for a naturally upbeat and cheerful person. And, you know, I'm just not the joyful type. You know, I've heard people, you know, I'm just not, I'm not the joyful type. But you're wrong. You have a chance to determine your destiny and change right now the priorities in your life. Change right now what you're going to live the rest of your life for. And if you begin to yield yourself to God's purpose and use your life to help other people, then you will have more joy than you could ever imagine. Learn to be content. Learn to be happy with what you've got. Because, you know, it's kind of the way God works. If you are unthankful and ungrateful for your little kitchenette table with, you know, your folding chairs and complain and gripe, I could still be living in that little place. In fact, a year ago, me and my husband went to that little town, and we, I said, let's go drive down there. And they had built a porch and put siding on the house. I'm like, it looks better now than it did in the 70s. <laughs> but those memories of that little house and the fun we had there are precious. But I, I do know people that are they're never content. They, there's never, and, and I, you know, I, um, we're in the position that we do a lot of marriage counseling, marriage seminars, and that sort of thing. And that is one of the main complaints of husbands about wives is, I can't make her happy. There's nothing I cannot do enough for her. The more I do for her, the more she wants. 
You know, it's like she complains, she complains, she complains. And the problem is we compare ourselves to other people. And with, with the, you know, the media and all that now, we compare ourselves to that movie projected. That, that is not real. It's not even reality. You know, it's, it's not real. This, you need to learn with what, where you are, where you live, the husband you have, the life you have, you know, with or without a husband. You need to learn to be content. Learn to be content in your skin, happy in your skin, happy and content with what God has given you. And there is something about being joyful and grateful. A thankful heart is, you know, it's, it's almost like um, what the Bible says, you can't outgive the Lord. And when you give him thanks and, and gratefulness, if you give him that, he's, he's going to give it back. He, he will not let you outthank him for what he has given you. The more you, the grateful you are, the more thankful you are, the more he's going to bless you. It's actually a window for blessing, gratefulness, and joyfulness. Learn to be content. What, Ed, I don't know. You know, I wish I could just take a picture. You'd show me right now your situation, your home, your, your relationships, your, your furniture, your, the house you live in. Where you're, I would love to just see a picture of that and, and see you there, you know, puttering around in the mornings and, or in the evenings. What, what is it that you do? And um, I tell you, I have lived in some places that, oh, my goodness. Even before we got married, I mean, I was like six years old before we had inside plumbing. So I remember one house we moved into had two holes in the outhouse. And that was like, wow, this is so awesome. <laughs> two of us could go potty at the same time. It was awesome. Because my grandpa, you know, he was like, I ain't, anybody that use a bathroom and cook in the same house is nasty. That's just how the mindset was back then. You, you don't cook and use a bathroom in the same house. That's crazy. <laughs> but the houses I've lived in, the places I've lived, you know, I can remember um, one little house we moved into, and it had so many windows. Well, curtains are expensive, and blinds are expensive. And so... Um, I rounded up sheets, and I took rubber bands and sheets and made the cutest curtains you ever saw in your life. Rubber bands and sheets, because I, I couldn't sew. And I had, you know, put a nail up there, and I took a rubber band and made a big old, like a puffy thing like these flowers, and pulled it out and put that over the nail, and then I went about that far out and made another little rubber band and puffy. And, pu and I mean, we got so many compliments on how cute that little house was. I have pictures over the holes in the walls. The, the house that we moved out of, we built a house in 1993. But before that, we lived next door to the church and um, in the church property. And that house, when we when they were moving us out of there, our deacon, I mean, our, our board members were crying. They're like, we didn't know this house was so horrible. <laughs> like you could, you know, you could walk through, walk in the closet and walk into the other room through the hole in the wall of the closet because it was just falling apart. But you just... We were happy. We were content. And I remember telling my husband when we were looking for a, because we thought we were going to buy, 
And I said, don't move me into no cracker box just because you want to get me out of this house because this house is roomy. I like, you know, I like this house. And he's like, what is there to like about it? <laughs> we had killed all the mice that lived there and the roaches and <laughs> took us a few years. But whatever, where you are, be content. Be grateful. You know, the old, the old poem or whatever it is, like, you know, I, I complained about my shoes until I saw a man with no feet. You know, and so learn to be content, learn to be, choose joy. I choose this. I choose to be happy. I choose to smile. I, um, I was telling some ladies the other day, I said, you know, my, I'm married to a melancholy. He's, he's, he's choleric, but he's a lot melancholy. But I made up my mind a long time ago. He, he's my, he is my head. He's my leader, but he ain't the boss of my face. I obey him, but he ain't the boss of my face. I'm not going to sit around and scowl and be sad just because he he's not unhappy. It's just that his face is just, you know, kind of, he's kind of looks serious a lot of times. Even when he's thinking about something good, his face, it doesn't show on his face. But I'm like, he ain't the boss of my face. Which has been a problem before because, if you know, if when your husband and you are having an argument and you think it's funny and he don't. <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry. I'm not the boss of my face either. <laughs> my face just does this. So it's like crazy. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I know this is not funny. I do not know why I'm laughing. I'm not the boss of my face. It will not stop. <laughs> But I hope that this has been helpful to you to, to learn the six keys to joy. Just let it, just get over it, just let it go. Overcome worry with prayers. Say, yes, Lord, yield to him, his purpose. Focus on what's good. Use your life to help others and learn to be content. Philippians is a great book to just study this again and think about the, these things in your life. Say, I'm going to read the book of Philippians before April is over. I'm going to read the book of Philippians and find that lost joy. Find, find uh, like David, restore to me the joy of your salvation. If you could think of a time when you were more joyful in the Lord than you are now, the song I sang earlier, Take Me Back. If you can think of a time when you were more joyful in the Lord than you are right now, what is different? What are you doing different? What's, what are you doing? What are you not doing now that you were doing then? Like, well, you know, I've lost my mom. I've lost my dad. I've lost, you know, a lot of things. I've had a lot of loss in my life. But what were you doing, you and God doing different? What was your relationship like when you were so joyful? And think about the things that rob you of your joy. And think about uh, if, I, if I knew, you know, like I, we had a situation in our church where there was this person that, I always leave my purse on the front row, and she liked to kneel down there and pray. And, and I, you know, I was missing some money every Sunday. So if I, I knew she was stealing money out of my purse, that I, what did I do? I quit leaving my purse there. So if you know who's robbing you of your joy, watch your joy when they're around. Just hang on to it, you know. Don't let them. I'm going to close with a chorus, a song.
a theme song. I know, you know, I'm, I'm a woman. I know that we go through things. I have three children. I have uh, grandchildren. So I know that everything is, isn't always hunky-dory. Everything is not always good. But I do know that I can hang on to my joy. And so on Monday morning, if you can still say, I still got my joy. I still got my joy. After all the things I've been through, I still got my joy. I still got my joy. I still got my joy. After all the things I've been through, I still got my joy. It'd be good if we could show up at, you know, ladies retreat next year and look at our sister and say, I still got my joy. Still got my joy after all the things I've been through. I still got my joy. Still got my joy. I still got my joy after all the things I've been through. I've still got my joy. And you know, sometimes, you know, we have those relationship problems and People just act up in our life, and we got a lot of drama going on, but we can still show up and say, I still got my peace. I still got my peace. After all the things I've been through, I still got my peace. I'm not talking about your 22 either. I've still got my peace. I still got my peace. After all the things I've been through, I still got my peace. Oh, yes, I still got my faith. I still got my faith. After all the things I've been through, I've still got my faith. Still got my faith. I still got my faith. After all the things I've been through, I still got my faith. I've still got my joy. Still got my joy. I still got my joy. After all the things I've been through, I've still got my joy. Still got my joy. Still got my joy. After all God, my joy. Hallelujah. Let's praise Him for it. Thank you, Lord, for the joy unspeakable. It's full of glory. Thank you for the joy. Thank you for the strength, the joy.